We started in the Ten Commandments last time we were we were together. And I'm gonna back up and just look at those questions just for a brief review. Um, question 34, how many commandments did God give on Mount Sinai? Of course, we know I know there were ten commandments. <clears throat> what are the ten commandments sometimes called God's moral law? Um, and what do the first four commandments teach our duty to God? So the next question for what we're starting with this morning is what do the last six commandments teach? So there's broken up, the commandments are broken up into two parts, our duty to God and our duty to man. <clears throat> so um, reading Deuteronomy chapter 10. Again, this is showing our duty to our fellow man. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, verse 19. Love the sojourner. Therefore, you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So, what it's saying there is, is, is love your man because you know where he's at. You, you came from there yourself. You've dealt with that situation. Don't leave them out in the cold. Love your fellow man. <clears throat> All right, our next um, verse is Micah 6, 8. And Micah, if you've got your book, your uh, Bible for Habakkuk, where we're at is backwards, two, two books. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That's a summation of all of the commandments. Love our man, love God. <clears throat> and for clarification, we'll go to Galatians chapter 6. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. <clears throat> so, we'll look at this a little bit later in question 39, but I'm going to kind of delve into it a little bit now. Um, so we, we see a distinguishment there in that verse that there are the people of faith, our brothers, and then there is the world at large, everyone else, and that we are too good, too good to do good to everyone. Um, one of the verses we'll look at later basically says, if you love those that love you, what have you done? Sinners do that. You're not accomplishing anything there. <clears throat> the issue is how do we get there? How, 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 how does 
we've been told to do this. Can we just pick up and do it? Is it just that simple? Because there's some there's a chapter that first or second Corinthians thirteen they call the right chapter. First Corinthians. Um, there's a whole list of things in that chapter that we are told to do, or if we do, but if we don't do it in love, it's useless. So it basically makes the distinguishment that you can walk through life doing good things and be a complete and utter failure. That goes back to this right here, loving your brother. If you're not doing this out of the context of true concern for others, you're not, you're not accomplishing anything. I don't care what it is that you do or how good it looks. If it's not based in God's command to love, you're not doing anything. You, you're just, you're, you're clanging symbol. Religious always. <clears throat> All right, so that was uh, question 37. Question 38 We'll go back to Deuteronomy. What is the sum of the Ten Commandments? Well, we've already kind of looked at that. They're broken into two parts. Love God. Love man. Go back to Deuteronomy 6. This is the commandment, the statutes of the rules, the statutes and the rules that your Lord God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you were going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, and by keeping his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of our fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That, by the way, is called the Shema. That's part of the Jewish uh, prayer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. There is the core text of what we're looking at, the sum of the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> and the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you the great good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God, you shall fear him. Him whom 
Him whom you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go out after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in the, that is in your midst is a jealous God. Let the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. So there's part of it right there. <clears throat> and I think there's part of how God gives us grace and mercy <coughs> through Christ in those verses by having things given to us that we did not necessarily have to work for, like eternal salvation. We can't earn that. There's a significance in understanding that. He's given these things that we couldn't earn. There's no way. Throughout Scripture, front to back, <coughs> We're failures at the commandments. We all fail. At least everyone in this room has been disobedient to their parents. If I don't go anywhere else, you've done that. <laughs> so if we've broken it at one law, we've offended the whole law, right? Yeah, so without God's grace and mercy, we have no hope. There comes the gospel. This is what the law was intended to do to show us our failures, to teach us to love others because what we have has been given to us. We didn't earn it. How can, how can we hold and be angry with other people? How can we turn our nose up when what we have has been given to us? We didn't earn it. This is what the Ten Commandments do for us. This is what it teaches us. <clears throat> On over to Deuteronomy 11. One. More reiteration. Y'all are next. <laughs> All right, Deuteronomy 11, 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> no, no. But we're charged to do it. Let's flip over to Matthew. It says 35 through 40, but I'm going to back up and read 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? What's the best? Which one? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Key verse right here. 
On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love God, love your neighbor is the fulfillment of everything that God requires of you. There's your answer. So what is the sum of the Ten Commandments? Right there. That, that fulfills everything. Because at this point in time, if you have true love for God, you're not going to have anything about before Him. You're not going to be seeking after other gods. You're not going to be coveting your neighbor's house, car. Because you have concern for them more. You desire for them to do better than you. Because you know God takes care of you. Because you trust him and love him entirely. That's the way this is supposed to work. That's the way obedience actually comes down. There is a sense in which, you know, we, and we, it's a shame that we actually have to go through and distinguish that there is a um, that you actually have to talk about doing good works because people will come in and, and prescribe to these verses and say yeah yeah and then they'll go out and live any way they want to there's no change in them nothing has, nothing has been done to their heart they've not been circumcised and so it's a shame that we have to come into the church and, and teach and, and kind of navigate between this rule of law and love we have to use that to kind of separate it's what God did, what Jesus did. And he even said it as clearly as it can be put. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But those that do the will of my Father, which is on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet. Love God, love your neighbor. Who's your answer? <clears throat> Go to James. James is right after Hebrews. Two. And eight. This one is more particular to the neighbor part of it. If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But... If you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Wait, what did I say? If you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Show partiality of what? Deference to certain people because of their social standing, because of what they do for a living because of their intelligence, because of their money, because of where they go to church, because of whatever. You 
put these things ahead of your concern for their betterment, then you're showing partiality. You are, in essence, coveting certain things about this person because you are lifting that to a higher value. And so you're condemned by the law. Keep expounding. <clears throat> so, um, whenever we show partiality to people, number one, we fail to understand the basic concept that we have all sinned that we are all fallen, the entire world, from the president on down, Amen. <laughs> from any president on down, it doesn't matter which one, the best or the worst, it doesn't matter, but when we show partiality to a, um, a person because of something that they have done or something that they have, we are committing sin. Just, yeah, just, just, and it is, it is that simple. Everyone should be on an even kilter playing field. Everyone. And we should see no one any better or worse than anybody else. Conversely, on the other facts, we look down on people because they're not like us. Um, that's something that, um, you know, being in medicine, I've, I've kind of dealt with it on some levels, but where I'm at now and seeing people who can't, um, they, 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 their life is lived in a wheelchair. Um, you, you start recognizing that there's some sin in your heart even though, okay, they can't do things that I can do, but they can. They, they can do things I can't do. Um, you, you just you start noticing that when these laws kind of are implanted on your heart, they start kind of integrating everywhere in your life. You can't just say, well, this is the it, and that's the fact, and just don't, because it kind of spreads out through your life into everything that you do. And you, doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Christ, these things can still creep up and just condemn you. And then there comes repentance, hopefully, <laughs> which is what our obedience, that's again, that's where our obedience comes in. That's where seeing Christ in his grace and his mercy through the law brings us. <clears throat> so to love God with all of our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we all want the best for ourselves, don't we? Yeah. So I think there's a, a sense in which we could actually entrust um, trying to push goodness upon others and watch God work in our lives as we are helping others and doing others for others. <clears throat> so the last question now, these are all in the, well, it's just in one book. Go ahead and turn it over to Luke. Who is your neighbor? Start in Luke 10. So we love God. We've already seen that there's a little bit of a distinguishment between those in church and those not in church, but that we should be careful to have concern for everyone. 
Um, Luke 10, 25 through 37. This is the parable of Good Samaritan. I'll go ahead and read it. Luke 10, 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, what am I supposed to do? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, as, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. I like the answer there, and I'm going to stop and just comment on that particular. Do this and you shall live. Unregenerate people don't have the ability to do that. It's hard enough for regenerate people to fall on their face and repent and get to this place. Unregenerate people can't do that. It's, you have to be very cautious, I think, when we're preaching and teaching and sharing not to get to a point where we just say these things without context. Like Jesus is fixing to give us context. He's fixing to tell us a parable to, to explain that. And why does he speak in parables? Because they don't have the ability to hear. He's explained that somewhere else in Scripture. <clears throat> it's when, when we get to a point where, where we're saying, hey, if you just do this and live this way and act this way, you'll be fine. Yeah, there's no gospel in that. There's no Christ in that. There's no good news in that. Be careful. So Jesus is coming back and explaining to him in context what he's meaning. So starting in verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Oh, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him for half dead. We might say it in a parking garage today. Somebody shot now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Well I'm not getting involved in that. I might be found guilty. It might be me they come after. So likewise a Levite when he came to the place and saw him passed on the other side. So we've got a priest and a Levite. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. <clears throat> now, let me say something about this. Um, a man was going down from Jerusalem, most likely a Jew, going from Jerusalem. <clears throat> the Samaritans and the Jews were... Not friendly. No, 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 they weren't. No, they were, they were at odds with each other. And so, to make the story more intense, there are two people that should have been compassionate and weren't. The one who shouldn't have compassion is actually the one who did. So you begin to see then who, who has compassion, who is, um, it, 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 it makes the story richer because you understand the one that shouldn't have is the one who does. 
there's God's grace and mercy on someone to be able to have that kind of compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. So not only did he take care of him and get him his help, he paid for his help. He went over and beyond. He cared for this person as if it were himself. Now here's the question. Do we do that? Do we even look for places to do that? Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Well, that's kind of rough. I'm going to have to go be nice to people that I don't like. Yeah, that's kind of the point of having grace and mercy in your life is that you can. If you can't, you don't have grace and mercy in your life. Do, do you see how that works? That, that's where the concept of God's electing purpose comes in because we can say these things, but you don't have that ability apart from the grace of God. You don't. And you can't. And we can talk about it all day long and we can point out rules and we can make charts, but you can't do it. Luke 6. And this is the verse that I brought up earlier. I'm going to read. It says just 35, but I'm going to read back from 32 to 36. Luke 6, 32 to 36. (coughs) If you love those who love you, what is that to you? For sinners love those who love them. Do we get that? Do we understand what's just been said there? If you care about your family and the ones that care about you, what have you done? Sinners do that. You haven't done anything. You've not proven yourself to be over gracious at all. You've done nothing. The sinners do that. People who don't claim Christ do that. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom expect, whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? You do something for somebody because you know they can do back for you when later, when the time comes. Tip for tap, favor for favor. Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, <clears throat> do good, and lend, expect nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. 
Do, do you see what's being said there? Do, 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 we, do we do that in our lives? Should we seek to do that in our lives? Do we, do we fall on our face and ask for mercy when we don't? When we fail? When we look back and say, oh, I should have. There was an opportunity and I, I didn't. I, I do it all the time. I should have said something, I should have done something, I should have bought something, I should have given something, and then I look back and I think, I, I just missed that all together. Um, so God's commandments are, I think when people look at them, and, and let, me, let me take just a little aside note here as we're talking on Wednesday evening about the covenants. Okay? There is a covenant of works and a covenant of grace. <clears throat> I don't want you to misunderstand the fact that we are actually indeed saved by a covenant of works, the original covenant, which Christ himself kept. He is the only one who did keep it. And because of the covenant of grace, he has extended that to doing that to us. That's how that works, in a basic nutshell. But we are actually saved by works, just not ours, they're the works of Christ. There's a good news there. And that's awesome. Yeah. So, any questions, comments? No? Brother Ken, is there any way I can get you to pray for us to kind of close up? <laughs> if you're really nice. <laughs> Father God, thank you uh, so much for uh, your word. And Lord, thank you for giving us the, the written word, uh, your guidelines, uh, so that, Father, we truly uh, can come to a uh, point of um, conviction and then a point of uh, completion. Father, we thank you for this and Father, we pray that you would just really grant us great grace today and Father, we thank you for this body of believers and Father, we pray that you would just really uh, help us to uh, have fellowship and encourage one another. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We pray these things now in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.